0: Today's message is a continuation from last week. Our purpose, know God and make him known. Know God and make him known. Praise the Lord. Uh, Father God, I just thank you for uh, the opportunity and privilege to be uh, a vessel, Father God, that you've called to share your word. Father, I thank you for the people of God here this morning who have a desire. To hear your word, Father God, to hear the truth of your word, Father, not just to give mental assent to it, not just to say amen to it, but to learn from your word, Father God, and to, and, and, and to take hold of it, Father God, and walk in faithful obedience according to your truth. Uh, I just thank you, Father God, for those hearts that are here for that this morning, Lord, and, and all, the, all the fruit that is going to be born in our lives to your glory, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. First uh, Corinthians nine, uh, starting at the nineteenth verse, uh, the Apostle Paul is going to be the subject of our message today, and uh, and we're going to learn some things about him that he disciplined himself to do in order that he might win souls for the Lord, and I believe that he is an example for us to follow. As disciples of Christ ourselves, how many of you know the Great Commission did not say, "Go throughout all the world and just and make believers didn 't say, "Go out in all the world and, and make pew sitters." you know He said, "Go out into the, all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, so we have a purpose in the lord i don 't know what your specific calling is, but I know that what we 're all called to and that's to be an ambassador for Christ. We're all called to win souls for Christ. We're all called to make disciples, and we ourselves are called to be disciples and to make disciples. Well, let's take a look here at Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at the 19th verse. It says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means, I might save some. Notice that that consistent refrain, that consistent theme, that I might win some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. Paul's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Paul knows his eternal destiny is secure. But he also knows the heart of his God. That there are those walking in darkness that he wants snatched out of darkness into his marvelous light. He knows the heart of God that he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come into repentance. Right? And so Paul, while being thankful and being contented that he has salvation, he is compelled by the heart of God to bring others in to share in the blessing of that salvation. How many of you know we can complain about society and and the bad things that people are doing and all the issues out there? We can complain all we want to, but what is it that God has called us to do about it? we can pass laws, we can enforce laws, we can do a whole lot of things to force compliance, but but, but, what is it that will reach the heart of man? Because God wants our hearts. And God wants us out there being an expression of his heart, to see the to see the lost, to even see the evildoer as a lost person that Christ died for and wants saved to see the evildoer as we see the two thieves that were crucified on the cross on their own cross on either side of Christ when one of them repented after both of them mocked him what did he say he said he finally repented and said lord when you remember me coming to your uh when you go into your kingdom remember me and he said today i tell you you're gonna be with me in paradise We serve a redeeming God. We are representatives of the Lamb of God who gave himself for the sins of the world that they might too find redemption and reconciliation with God. And there are a lot of issues that we fight over, a lot of issues that garner our attention, But I pray that the church finds itself following in the example of Paul where we make ourselves servant to all. I don't believe Paul is compromising himself. In no way is he saying he's compromising who he is or compromising his faith. I believe he's saying, you know what? I'm going to go where each of these people are, I'm going to follow the example of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who went to the publicans and prostitutes and sinners and, and he ate with them. And he showed them that they had value. He gave them hope that God still cared about them and that, that God still wanted relationship with them, something the Pharisees did not do. And he spoke the word of truth to them. So Paul says, hey, I can be all things to all men that I might win some. And I think what he shows here is a a servant's heart. I'm looking at people that need to be served. I'm looking at sick people that need a physician. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. We'll start at the first verse and we'll work our way through it. And I want to show... Paul's customary mode of operation whenever he went into a new place, what he did, why he did it, and how he went about winning people to Christ. It starts off in verse 1 of Acts 17. It should be on the screen for those of you who don't have your Bibles. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. Now notice it says, it was his custom to do what he did. Whenever he came into a new city or a new town, especially when it had a synagogue, that's the place where he was going. And he spent three Sabbaths there, reasoning with them from the scriptures, opening the scriptures up to them. And I'm sure each of those cities had their own trials. They had their own problems. They had their own issues. But notice what Paul was laser focused on. He went into the city. He went into the synagogue. He engaged in a dialogue with them there in the synagogue. But he engaged with them in a dialogue, reasoning with them from the scriptures. And the subject of his dialogue was Christ. He led, he always led with Christ. And so he took them through all the prophetic scriptures, through all the Old Testament, all the things they believed. And and, and really began to explain to them and prove to them that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer for the sins of mankind. And that he would rise again. So he's proving to them. And then he hits them with the pièce de resistance. After saying that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, he then says, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is that Christ. Here is what scripture says about the Messiah. This Jesus that I proclaim to you is that Messiah. And he takes time. Now, when it says that he reasoned with them, it means he makes a presentation. He allows for Q&A. He allows for dialogue. Because people who don't believe that way or don't agree that way, obviously there's going to be some pushback. He's not afraid of it. He's not shying away from it. He is leaning into it and engaging it. And he's taking the time, multiple weeks, to prove it. Because he knows the scripture reveals itself. It proves itself out. Prophecy ends up being fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And he shows it to them. Are you hearing me? Let's go on and see what happens. Verse 5. But, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I moved on a little bit too quickly. And some and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. You're not, when you present the gospel, you're not guaranteed a hundred percent return. He reasoned with them. Some of them were persuaded. And they joined Paul and Silas. As did a great many of the devout Greeks. So you had some Jews that became believers. You had some, some Greeks that became believers. And not a few of the leading women because of the time that he put in explaining the scriptures proving them out and once they conceded that you're right this is actually what the messiah is supposed to go through now let me tell you that jesus fulfilled every one of those if the messiah had to go through all these things and be raised again on the third day then is it not proof that jesus himself is that messiah and he made that reasoned argument he, he proved it out and you had people come to the Lord you know when you got bad fruit on a tree and I know you probably get tired of hearing me when you got bad fruit on a tree you don't fix the bad you don't fix the bad tree by pulling the bad fruit off of it if it's got a disease somewhere in the trunk of the root you gotta go to the root and heal that And if you heal that, then the tree will produce what? Good fruit. And so he's going into a society and he could start looking into the city and seeing the crime rates and and, 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 and seeing all kinds of, uh, you know, the sexual promiscuity and out out of wedlock birth rates and all that. And he could deal with all the bad fruit directly. What does he do? He goes to the heart of the matter. It says, I'm bringing Christ here. Because if Christ gets a hold of your heart and you've been walking in darkness before then, you can't continue in that once Christ is in your heart. Once you have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you can't continue in what you used to be. So, society begins to change as society's people change. As society's people change as they are changed by the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus, as they get saved, now all of a sudden they are born again. They are awakened spiritually, and they can and the Holy Spirit can can lead them and convict them and guide them into all truth. Then when you present biblical principles and truths, now you're presenting it to someone who has the capacity to, to, uh, to hear it and understand it and and, 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 and say yes to it and, and obey it. Amen? Because the carnal mind cannot do it. So we got to get people saved. Are you hearing me? And it's got to be the priority of the church. We've got to learn to lead with Jesus. Uh, We're not going to park there, but verses five through nine, not everybody is going to be a fan of the gospel. But But the Jews, I will clarify, the unbelieving Jews, those that were not persuaded, were jealous, And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. When they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So notice Paul is there obeying God in in, in advancing the gospel. He wasn't, what he was doing was not political in nature. It, it it, it, It was following the great Commission agitators turned it into a political issue what they're doing what they are doing here is acting against the decrees of Caesar they wanted Caesar to shut them down and things got so hot and so heavy they brought Jason and the rest up before him and they ended up having to pay bail and promise that they were not going to do any other disruption whatsoever and here's what happened then they then had to rush Paul out of there for fear of his life when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest they let them go The brothers then immediately, first part of verse 10, sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue, just like he did in Thessalonica. First place he's going into is the synagogue. Let's see what he does there. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. So he did the very same thing in Berea that he did in Thessalonica. He leads with Christ and him crucified. They were more noble. They received the word with all eagerness. Now I want y'all to read this. And I, and I want, you can use this in your, whoever you're discipling, or use this in your discipleship walk with the Lord. Because these Bereans, are, these are a great example of where we ought to be in our walk with the Lord. You know, I may be the pastor of this church. When I preach from the word of God, you know, I, I know I should be subject to scrutiny. And you're not going to agree with everything that I have to say, or you might have questions about some of the things I have to say. You need to become disciplined and practiced in searching the scriptures for yourself. Let God confirm to you. And and, and if he's not, then I'm not going to be offended or mad or, 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 you know, I'm not going to do anything untoward if you want to come to me and let's dialogue and talk about this thing. You know, I am aware of the weight of this that I carry. I am aware of the responsibility of it. And with preaching God's word, that, that makes me subject to scrutiny in that matter. And, and, and that's why I have to be humble to God and accept that. And I have to be prepared to give an answer to you, reason with you from the scriptures, to, see what we, to make sure we together can find the truth of what God's word says. And, and that's what the Bereans do here. This is the Apostle Paul teaching to them. And while they respect him, they're not so impressed with him that they just take whatever he says without searching the scriptures to confirm it for themselves. And notice here, now these Jews are more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. So they were eager to receive it. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men so he takes them through the scriptures again here's what the Messiah must have suffered here's what the scripture says about him and that Messiah Jesus whom I proclaim to you is that Messiah search the scriptures for yourself and see if it doesn't confirm what I have just preached to you they did it and they became believers but he cannot get rid of those doggone Thessalonians verse 13 and 15 says but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also they came there too agitating and stirring up the crowds I want you to be careful about the agitators the ones always stirring you up to be angry and scared the ones always pointing fingers here and there, here and there. I, I want you to be careful because scripture says we ought to test the spirits to see if they be of God and we ought to be able to examine the fruit of someone's actions. Is the fruit of it leading us to Christ? Is it pointing us to the cross? Is it pointing us to salvation and to a reconciled relationship with him? Or is it stoking us up emotionally? Uh, If it's if it's appealing to the flesh and it's tempting us to act in the flesh and contrary to what we know to be right and true in the word of God then it's not of God that's just the bottom line of it and you might bear witness with everything that comes out of that person's mouth and and, and it might feel good to you to do what they're telling you to do but not everything that feels good is good it is the word of God That is the double-edged sword that divides between soul and spirit, bone and marrow. We could learn some things from the Bereans. Let's take what we've got here. Let's let us let let's compare it to what Scripture says, and see if this is this lines up with the, what we know to be true of the way of God. We're disciples, right? If we're disciples, we're we're we're, we're learners. We're followers. We're imitators of Christ. Right? And so, so when we're presented with those things, when we're presented with truth, we need to be like the Bereans did. We're, we're going to receive that truth eagerly. Then we're going to go into the scriptures daily to confirm the truth of this matter according to scripture. And we're going to be doers of that word. That's the responsibility that comes with us being disciples of Christ. Not just believers in him disciples that means when I talk I ought to be talking things that line up with his truth that means when I act I ought to be acting in a way that reflects the character of Christ I ain't got no amens but I'm saying it's true you can amen it you cannot amen it but I would rather you be listening and taking heed to it and I'd rather you leave here meditating on it and and you be convicted by it and begin to walk in it than to get uh, an amen that dies right there. Because I'll reiterate, he didn't call us to be believers in Christ. He called us to be disciples of Christ. I say he didn't call us just to be believers he called us to be disciples And that term disciple demands a lot of us so they came agitating and stirring up again then the brothers immediately sent Paul off I Man, he can't stay anywhere for very long. They immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. And here's where I want to finish up today. And this is really the. The part of uh, Acts 17 that uh, I I believe that God really put on my heart here. Paul has been run out of two towns. All he did in both was share the gospel and get people saved. Trouble followed him there. and he's not grumpy, he's not, he's not griping he's not having a pity party what he's doing is he's going in obedience to God and he is, he, is, he is flowing in obedience to the great commission he finds a synagogue or a central place wherever he goes he begins to engage with people and he always leads with Scripture. He always leads with Christ. And things get a little bit ugly sometimes. Well, for him, all the time. But it always, it's always fruitful. I'm going to tell you, when you endeavor to obey God and you put yourself out there and you let it be known that you are a disciple of Christ Jesus, and you go into your spheres of influence and you lead with Christ. There's going to be some pushback. There's going to be some hit back. There's going to be some ugliness that comes your way. But, but, but you need to be steadfast, immovable. in carrying that banner for Christ. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be condescending. As a matter of fact, you should not be. But you should be willing to bear that in order to make known to them those who don't know who Christ is. Are you hearing that? Now Paul in verse 16 while he was waiting on Timothy and Silas He was waiting in Athens. He was waiting for them at Athens. His spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. He was, you know, that was a problem to him. This is a very religious city and nobody knows God here. He sees idols everywhere. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the jews and the devout persons notice reasoning in the synagogue with people didn't go so well with him personally in the previous two stops and what does he do at stop number three he goes into the synagogue and reasons with them in the scriptures again this man will not be deterred he is really on his grind for jesus And uh, he, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons. And he didn't stop there. And in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So he's dealing with the devout people in the synagogues. Now he's out in the marketplace. Whoever comes by, they're getting some. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. (laughs) We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So he's in this, the Areopagus, the intellectual center of Athens. And all they do is either tell something new or want to hear something new. And Paul brings something to them that they've never heard before. And in so doing, he wins an invite to preach. They didn't know what they got themselves into. (laughs) He wins an invite to preach this new doctrine in front of everybody there at the Areopagus. And I love what he does when he's in front of them and he's speaking. Starting at this 22nd verse. I love this. So Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, all the idols, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it. See, God, Paul is in the process of introducing the unknown God to the Athenians. How many of you know? Everybody don't know God. And millions of them won't ever know God unless those who do know God presents him to them makes him known to them, right? That's our purpose, knowing God and making him known, amen? And so Paul is endeavoring to do this right here. I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So let that be a, you know, let let that be a takeaway from here. You know, not, not everybody here has the same pigment as I got. But but, but, but we all brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen? Every one of us came from one man. Adam. It don't matter what continent, what country, what city, state, or whatever what city or state you came from. It doesn't matter how light you are or how dark you are. Or whatever shade in between. God's truth is that we all came from that same original man Adam we physically came from that same man and if we are believers in Christ we are brothers and sisters twice over because we are brought together by the blood of Christ we are one in him man there's a lot of stuff that is, has been pretty effective at dividing us thanks be to God that we know the truth of the gospel that unites us. I think we ought to let the world know that. Scratch that. I know we ought to let the world know that. We got to get to a point to where we're leading with Christ. And you know, I, I look forward to the day, and I, for lack of a better term, better word I'll say I look forward to the day Uh, not that not I don't look forward to um, trials or tribulations or whatever but I look forward to the day when we like Paul we're getting people frustrated with us and agitated with us simply because they don't like the message of the cross that we're preaching Not because we're fighting back and forth over one issue or another, but that we are presenting Christ. They don't like it. They want to try and shut it down, but they can't do anything about it. Amen? While we have agitators over there trying to stop it, we have those whose hearts are being won over and they're coming to the Lord at the same time. And while it would be uncomfortable and while it would be frustrating and while sometimes it might even be a little fear, fearful that we'd have to encounter that pushback we can rejoice in the Lord for every soul that came to Christ as a result of what we of what we encounter. Because there are those out there who believe that there is a God but to them the true God is the unknown God. And you and I, like Paul, can make a God, the gospel presentation to them in such a way as to make the unknown God known to them. That they might come to him in faith and receive the gift of salvation that Christ died to give them. and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man and he I'm just going to go on to the next verses Uh, I think I've I've covered what I wanted to cover in that already verse 30 and I love this because he just finished telling them who God is right right he tells them who the unknown God is then he proceeds in the next two verses to tell them what god demands and why so i'm gonna introduce you to this god and i'm gonna tell you what he demands of you and he says that the times of ignorance god overlooked you did a lot of things in your ignorance the times of ignorance he overlooked but now everybody say "But but now all right but now he commands all people everywhere to repent You know, we don't have to sugarcoat the gospel. We need to present the gospel, the unadulterated truth of the gospel, but we just need to, it needs to be presented in love, but it needs to be presented. All right? God God loves you, but at the same time, God's no joke. He's nothing to be trifled with. And he sent his son to die for you, but he's coming back to judge the world. And there will be a reckoning. And there will be a great judgment. and and eternity eternal destinies will be decided with finality on that day you will either be in, in hell for eternity or with God in heaven for eternity that day is coming and because it's coming God says repent and come to me so that when that day comes you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be worried you will know that your eternal destiny with God is secure for eternity that the li- your life on this planet is just a vapor it's here today and gone tomorrow what, what, what really lasts is what you do for Christ amen heaven and earth will pass away but, but, but your relationship with God the word of God and your relationship with him will last forever So he says he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. You can be sure it's going to happen. It's coming. And 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 the proof is there's an empty tomb that Jesus didn't stay dead, he rose on the third day proving that he was in fact the son of God proving that he conquered death proving that he is the Messiah proving that salvation can be given through none other than Christ Jesus. Let's finish up with their response. Now notice how Paul approached every location he went to. And I know I probably could have done this without going through the whole chapter, but Hey, y'all are here, y'all stuck with me. It is what it is. But I want to reiterate, everywhere he went, he had the same laser focus. And I think it goes back to the first passage that I shared out of Corinthians where he says, he's he's going to be a servant to all that he might win some. That's his focus wherever he went. I'm here, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm here to bear witness of him. I'm here to preach his gospel. There are those out there in in, in the midst of the crowd of people who are hard-hearted and and don't want to hear it and, and will not only just not want to hear it they will take steps they will take measures to try and prevent me from being able to share this gospel so others don't get a chance to but 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 i am committed to the way of the lord i'm committed to sharing this gospel it is life the consequences of not hearing the gospel and not receiving uh the glorious god the glorious gift of salvation are too severe for those who don't. And so, Paul, he just said, you know, and his mindset was, how dare I not share the gospel? Whatever I endure, even to the point of death, it's nothing compared to what awaits those who die and don't know Christ. So, let's put that in perspective. On this uh, Independence Day, 4th of July, let's remind ourselves that Christ died for our independence from sin, from death, from hell. Are you hearing me? I love this country and praise God. We won our independence and we, everybody ought to celebrate that. You know, even more than this country is I love I love Jesus <laughs> and, and as free as we are in body in this country there are so many that are not free in spirit they're not born again and as a nation that has been so blessed by God that, that, that is not something as the church of God that we should accept that we should be okay with, that, that we should be resigned to, because God put us in this time, in this moment, in history for us to make a difference for him in this generation. We have the baton. And let us take let, let us follow uh, Paul's example. He goes from Thessalonica to Berea, to Athens with the same message. Lifting up and exalting Jesus. Telling everybody what the scriptures, what have been proven out in the scriptures, what the Messiah was to suffer, what he was to go through, and that he'd be raised again from the dead. And using those same scriptures to prove that Jesus Christ is evidenced. It's, it's undeniable that according to scripture, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And it was so convincing that, not, that while not everybody believed, there were people who became believers, and it said not a few, people became believers at every stop. Finishing here, verses 32 and 34. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, comes with the territory. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, praise God. Among whom also were Dionysius and and Areopagite, And a woman named Damaris and others with them. The last scripture has come out of Proverbs. I, I finished with this last week and I'm finishing with it again because I feel like it bears repeating. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls, or whoever wins souls, depending on your translation, is wise. I think the first half of that is important. It it, uh, illuminates why it's important for us to have the right perspective that we are disciples of Christ and that our lives ought to bear fruit consistent with that because it says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. There are those out there walking in darkness that are, that, 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 that are walking in, in their sins and walking in death and yet the, the, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. We, 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 we ought to let our light so shine before men that they can see our good works and glorify our father in heaven. We ought to be bearing fruit that that, that, that people can, can, can eat on, right? And and, and be brought to life in Christ that people can see that we're peculiar you know when, when that person did that to you the typical response is to get in the flesh and, uh, uh, and, and go eye for an eye, two for a two but, but you you responded in a way with, with grace, you responded with dignity you, you forgave them you blessed them it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, without that person suffering consequences, aren't they getting a free pass? And we're like, look, how, how can I, who got a free pass, not extend a free pass? How, how, how can I, who walk in the forgiveness of, of God, through the, by the sacrifice Jesus paid, not extend forgiveness? How can I know that my Savior, who I am supposed to be a disciple of, while being crucified on that cross, said concerning the very same people who chose him to be crucified over Barabbas, say to him while he's in the pain and agony of his crucifixion, say, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. How 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 can I be a disciple of him and refuse to forgive? I might need to work on it. I might need to ask God to give me the grace to, but I can at least say, you know what, Lord, out of out of obedience, for I know you you, you even said that if if I'm taking my gift to, to go to go give at the altar and remember that my brother has aught against me. Hold on, on on giving that gift at the altar. Put it down. Go make things right with your brother and then present your gift to the altar. That, that, that is how important it is to God for us to reconcile our differences. And we've got to make a choice as to whether or not we're going to live for Jesus or not. We're going to, have to make a choice as to who we're going to serve as our master. Are we going to let our carnal minds and our flesh tell us what to do and be our master? Or are we going to let Christ be Lord in our lives? Are we going to let the word of truth be the authority in our lives? So that I feel this way, but God's word says this. Easy choice, God's word. That's that is the mindset that we're going to have to have and if we have that mindset if we're like in James that says that we need to be doers of the word not hearers only if we're doers if we take a moment in the midst of our conflicts and our issues and our, our rants and, and, and um, you know uh, our uh, offenses and our hurts if we take a moment to consider what would please the heart of God before we spoke or acted? If we committed in our hearts that I don't belong to myself, I've been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. I I, I don't own me. I am a bond servant of Christ. So in every situation that I find myself in, It's not just me in that situation. It's not just me I have to concern myself with. I have to concern myself with what would please the heart of the Lord. Lord, what would you have me do here? I know what I want to do. I know what I'm about to do if you don't rein me in. But, Lord, I'm appealing to your grace. What would you have me do here, Lord? Guide me. Uh, Because as much as I want to rip the head off of that person in front of me, you might have a different plan for their life. And so, Lord, (laughs) whatever that plan is, show me quick. Uh, we have to wait on the Lord in that instance, right? So praise the Lord. Uh, if if you are here today, and you are like those people of Athens, you, you you know there's a God, but you don't know Him. Today on this Independence Day is the day for your independence. This is a this is an opportunity for you to get to know him. It would be my honor and my privilege to make known to you this God that you don't know. Um, um, If you are in any way unsure about your relationship with God, at one point you thought you were in good with God, but now you don't know. Well, here's an opportunity to get sure. Right? Because God doesn't want us unsure about these things. All right? Uh, uh, you you need to know that just, that salvation is not by works. You couldn't earn your way into salvation. It's by grace through faith. Oh, swap that. No. It's by grace, but through faith. And I, just like Paul did, I'd be honored to reason with you in the scriptures in a way that lead you to accepting his glorious gift of salvation and be sure concerning the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to ask you all to stand. And if you've got questions, make your way up here, even right now, make your way up here and... uh, and, and 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 we'll talk, and we'll address those questions as as best as we can. If you don't know the Lord, there's no shame in it. it 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 just would be a shame that you have the opportunity to get to know him and you leave this place, not having taken advantage of that opportunity, because He loves you. He loves you so much. He's seen everything that you've done, and he still loves you. He's seen every way that you've fallen short, and he still loves you. You might consider yourself to be dirt or trash. He wants you to know that you're a treasure and that you're precious. You're so precious to him that you were worth the life and blood, shed blood of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Life may have told you many lies concerning yourself about your not being worthy and, and God could never accept or receive you. I will confess there is truth to us not being worthy. None of us here are standing in God's great salvation because we've earned it. The Bible says that all of our righteous deeds were as filthy rags. There was none righteous, no, not one. None of us deserve this salvation. But God didn't send Jesus because we deserved it. He sent him because he loves us. And he loves us so much, he wanted to be reconciled with us that we might be with him for eternity. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you so much for speaking to our hearts today, Lord, uh, speaking concerning uh, our purpose in you to know you are for ourselves. And to make you known to those who don't know. Father God, in our own personal Areopagus, Father God, we, we, we live in an intellectual center. We live in a college town here in Stillwater, Father God. And there are a lot of cultures, a, a, a lot of religions that are represented in this community, Father God, similar to that. And there's a lot of seeking of knowledge. Seeking after new things. A lot of similarities between then and now. But Father God, I pray that we are encouraged by what we saw in Paul. That even though that was the climate, he kept things simple. I'm coming in. I'm sitting down with people. And I'm going to present. I'm going to present the message Uh, go through the scriptures I'm going to examine the scriptures with people we're going going to reason with them concerning the Messiah the savior of the world and then I'm going to explain to people and open their eyes to the fact that Jesus Christ is that Messiah I'm going to start there wherever I go wherever I go I'm going to tell people that they stand condemned before God apart from Christ but that through Christ they become the righteousness of God. Their names get written in the Lamb's book of life. And they, and, 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 and when their time and their days on this earth is done, their destiny is heaven to spend eternity with God, their creator. Encourage your people, Father God. Encourage us that way, Father. Uh, convict our hearts, Father, to, to be in true essence disciples of Christ Jesus in our in our communities father god may we implement what we see in Christ, what we see in paul and father god may we be like those bereans when we hear the word of god we hear it with eagerness we examine the scriptures and it becomes real to us and we own it and, 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 and we walk in faithful obedience according to it because we want you to, above all to be exalted in our lives. We want people to see the character of Christ exemplified through us. That we might win some to the Lord. Father God, to you be all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.